Hi, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of season two of the Haleakalan podcast. Today, we have Ayush Rahman, Arjun Walia, and Rohan Chakravarti again. Uh, so today, we're going to be talking about privacy and, and censorship and the most trending topic, which was the GMC, GME AMC talk stock. So uh, first question is, is privacy even like a reasonable expectation for people in this day and age? From, from who? From the yeah. government or from private companies? Both, both. Both. Um, from the government, yes. From private companies, maybe. Like, depends on the context. Like, if I'm, if I'm sending a text message over, like, Facebook Messenger, then obviously no. Pri- obviously not. Like, Facebook has whatever right they have. to. Like, it, I mean, I'm going through their servers, right? Well, they don't technically, though. If you're looking at, like, government regulations, they don't technically. No, I'm saying, like, right. they can use, like, my, my browsing data or whatever for, like, improving the service, right? That's just part of their service. Um, yeah, and then absolutely. advertisements as well. People find that to be like creepy and stuff. Um, I don't I think it's it, that they but, find that to be creepy, right? It's the, that they use that data to sell it to other vendors, right? That's the creepy part. So they don't directly sell your data, though. They only sell your like they they sell to advertisers, and advertisers get to choose who they want to target to. And then Google has the algorithms. It's still like semi-private. Although I get the concern, yeah, but they can sell it theoretically. Um, it's actually the most valuable. I think like data is like. What? That's how that's how companies like Facebook make most of their money. I mean, besides advertise, well, it is advertising actually, and then advertising is basically based on our data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on one hand, like they they kind of have to do it to stay afloat. Yeah, I guess like a better question would be like, what kind of like say like what do you mean like what type of like privacy of what exactly right like do you mean like, do you want to narrow it down a little bit? Uh, basically, uh, like should they be able to see your personal information that like i don't know like you know those things that you fill out when you're making an account and stuff and uh text messages some basic stuff like that like should they be able to see all of that well, i mean yeah i think that question obviously. is phrased wrong because i mean when you sign up for a google account you they obviously have the information i mean they're literally taking yeah. it from you and putting it in a server the question is what what should they what should they be able to do with it mm-hmm. and that i think has to be like allocated very carefully because on one hand i mean they're going to sell to advertisers that's what they do but then if it ends up in the wrong hands like every couple of years there's always you know a hack where like a bunch of our data gets released that stuff well, what's isn't the okay. danger what's the real danger in having your personal information out there like that's a good question that's yeah good. like what are the long identity theft identity theft is that's the true. biggest concern identity theft okay but yeah. i mean i get that actually that's that's fair but well, last time there's a leak. you know a lot of identity theft doesn't even happen by them stealing your data it's just whatever data you choose to make public like if they just look at your Instagram and Facebook like long enough, they can successfully pull off an identity theft. I mean, sure, any any decently talented hacker can do that, but then with more data, they can do more elaborate yeah, things. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Like I think last time there was a major like data breach. I think like hundreds, if not thousands, of people had like identity theft issues. Well, like assuming there's no like data breaches like in big companies, right? What's the inherent harm of them like people like Google having your data? Like, why are people so concerned? That's another question. That's that usually falls to politics. Like, your political opinions, it, it actually, there's like a whole, like, bubble of, like, confirmation bias, and then that Google and Facebook trying to swing your political opinion either or way if you're in the center, depending on which party pays them more money. Um, I mean, there's all, I mean, this is like the 2016 election, like, every, you know, everyone knows about the Cambridge Analytica s- scandal at this point. So, I think that's, like, the biggest concern. But... Again, like the question needs to be asked. Like, it, yeah, who has the data? If it's if it's Facebook, um, selling to but advertisers. Facebook, 
if it's just Facebook, I don't really care. Like, what they're gonna do? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, my my dad always says that he's concerned that like they have access. If I'm gonna be very honest, I personally don't care. If Google, yeah. if, if Google wants to tailor my algorithm so that I get like articles from the New York Times instead of like Fox News because I read New York Times more, that's fine by me. I don't care. Like, if Facebook wants to show me ads about like yeah if, if anything they're gonna they're like they're gonna enhance my experience i'm not gonna see random ads i'm gonna see it like as uh, pertain to me right i think the problem is when they take advantage of it like when facebook did yeah. i mean like you said the whole 2016 election when facebook took advantage of it to make money which ended up like skewing people's uh, views altogether and spreading but also but also i think right one thing that isn't in or one thing that is inevitable in a way are these breaches right we've seen countless times that they've happened and happened so i think it's not that um we're afraid that uh, entities like facebook and all are uh having our data it's that other outside unknown entities are the ones who yeah. actually have our data at the end of these breaches and then like arjun said identity theft and these issues come to rise then that's the main issue i think when breaches happen it's not like these actual companies having our data is the main issue I, I think that is true. I agree with that. Like personally, I would be more con like concerned about other like people taking my idea. But I think people nowadays are more concerned with the big companies having it. Like I haven't seen many people like specifically call out the data breaches. They only focus on like these big data companies like having basically a monopoly. Yeah. Wait. So like big companies. Do you guys know any of them by name? Like what what is the worst? What is the the biggest company that has like the most? Uh, most information and is like putting people at the most risk, like at Facebook. the highest risk. Facebook, okay, for sure. Facebook and TikTok, actually. If you talk about, I would say Google has the most information about us, but Facebook is most at risk for putting it out. Well, yeah, but the, yeah. the thing with Google is that they only know your search terms. I mean, they're not really a social networking thing. The problem with Facebook is that they can put you in a willful echo chamber, right? Where you're not even actually like not willful. Sorry. Um, subconscious echo chamber right where you're basic and it's not even it's actually just part of the algorithm and it happens like simultaneously with what they want to happen which is um for your follow like the people that you should follow to be relevant to you right um but the second problem with that is again extreme political polarization you have people you know like if i follow now this news i'm gonna get recommended to like vox or whatever right and that's going to put me in a willful political echo chamber. And then if I follow, like, again, like Breitbart, I'll get, like, you know, all of the right-wing junkie news sources. So um, I think that's, like, the biggest problem so far when it comes to, like, how they manipulate data. Yeah. Like, I think I agree with Aditya that um, Google definitely has the most data. I mean, that's just kind of by default. But Facebook exploits it just to make more money out of it. I mean, because Google can survive without a lot of that money, but Facebook kind of needs it. And it's and it's like, if, if you want like a real life example, I mean, you look at the whole QAnon um, conspiracy and you look at how it spread and it didn't spread through Twitter. It didn't spread through Google. It didn't spread through Instagram. It was like entirely on Facebook because like Facebook does this. And I mean, it just, it leads to dangerous things. Also, like, I think that it uh, one part of the data issue is that it's not that companies have the data, but also it's like the people's insecurities, right? When they have this data, it like maybe companies aren't really doing bad things with them. Instead, they're just promoting uh, things that you like to your page and all, but people are insecure, right? We've seen that and they aren't sure whether what's happening with their data, even if it's nothing. 
So that kind of causes some kind of tension, right? And some kind of instability in a way. Actually, one thing about uh, data ownership, right, is that <clears throat> it's, it's kind of funny. Even if you're using a service that is hosted on Google, like cloud or Amazon Web Services, you don't own the data. Amazon and Google own the data. Um, you actually have to like sign uh, like a, the terms of service. You have to agree to it. Basically, you're giving off the data, even if you're a developer. And if you're a user, you definitely don't, don't own the data, right? Um, so what do you guys think about like data ownership for individuals? Should individuals own their own data? Like, can they hold the companies liable if they get hacked? I think that's like probably good I mean, to start with. I think if they're agreeing to use the platform itself, they should like accept the consequences that could come with it, especially seeing what's happened in the past. Hey, here's the problem. I feel like this is a problem with like terms of service and everything. No one's going to read that entire shit, right? It's like how many pages? No one's going to read and like figure out like how they're going to use your data and stuff like that. So that's, I feel like everyone should just be more educated on like what they can do with their data and like Wait. what you're actually agreeing to when you sign up for a platform. Wait, no one's there's actually also, looking at that. There's a problem though with having um, the agreement with the companies and it might have to, I don't know if they're like legally protected, but I mean, what you have right now is basically a tech oligarchy. If, and, and this is evident when you see like Facebook, Google and Amazon buying out the little guys, right? to basically make way for ju it literally just to be the three companies controlling all of, you know, digital data. And I think the, the danger in that is that if, if a real competitor either rises up to like face them, they, they, they'll either get bought out or they'll get locked out. Right. Um, so I don't think having, you know, like saying like, if you sign up for this terms of service, you agree to everything. I don't, necessarily agree that that's the best way of going about it right now i think there needs to be some pretty heavy regulation around this um you know this is one of the areas where i'm like if capitalism isn't working out then you know screw it just have the government go all in yeah i was going to say the exact same thing that um and take for example if especially especially take aws since it's such a big part of the web services like platform if you want to develop a rival to amazon in like a rival product of one of Amazon's many divisions, right? I mean, say you're a grocer, or, I mean, practically anything that Amazon does, right? And you're, they can stifle you in seconds. I mean, the problem with the whole terms and conditions thing is that they technically have the right to seize all your data from you and essentially stop you from like, delete your entire business from existence. I mean, same with like any other web services platform that you use. I mean, that's what happened to a parlor, right? Um, and it's a pretty big problem because I mean, Amazon's been able to go from a bookstore to an online retailer, to an airline, to a newspaper, to a grocery store. I mean, like they're literally taking over the world because they can just stifle competition. Adding on to that, right? Um, we've all seen, right? Like technically these companies can do what they want with our data through their code of conduct and all, but we also have government regulations. So where do you draw the line between company code of conduct and these government regulations protecting your data. Just break them up. Uh, I mean, how would you propose? Uh, uh, yeah. So I actually, isn't that one of the questions on the list? I, I'd say like, how do you break them up? Like it's kind of general though. By division. I mean, if you take Amazon as an example, 
it's a very easy thing to break up because they have so many divisions. You just, you, know, you break it up into each division. The way that like, I mean, you're all, you're all in a push or rush, right? So we just learned about how like standard oil was broken up into like Exxon and then mobile and all those other companies. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, but they're getting back together. Now. I mean, okay, yeah. Exxon mobile, really they're, like they're essentially back to standard oil levels, but like something like that needs to happen because once that happened, then like other companies besides Exxon and mobile were able to rise up, which I mean, more competition is always better. Yeah, I mean, I think there is, I think there's actually, I mean, I don't know. It depends on how you see it. A, the web, in terms of web hosting and web services, I do think that there is still competition there um, because, you know, Amazon, Google, and Facebook, though they do have like big parts in the, um, I guess, like digital market, it's such a big market that they actually have to compete, right? Because one of them can literally just cut their prices and say, all right, fine. You know, like they can like, I guess, cheat in whatever oligarchy that they have and on top of that there's like there's microsoft too so if it's not them it's not really all that hard to hold by yourself i think there's like alternatives like there's no sql there's um or mysql or mysql and mm -hmm. you know all those other different databases that exist right so i think data is one of the places where they may not necessarily have a monopoly but in general like if real competition comes about to one of their platforms then you know like you know they're ganging up and locking you out yeah so you 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 kind of mentioned their like web services and stuff like that so that being said let's talk about let's talk a little bit about like net neutrality like what are your guys thoughts on net neutrality in the realm of privacy I have a problem with net neutrality and it's only in that it gives the government slightly too much more power than you would than you would like i would prefer it to be competition manages everything because not every website needs has the same traffic you know like youtube would have more traffic than and youtube and netflix have more traffic than like i don't know uh mr yim's page.com like it, it it's it's you know like there's a clear difference and if net neutrality <laughs> is going to mandate that they those two have the same traffic that hurts the consumer more like it's just not yeah, worth yeah. it yeah, I'd say that that one, like, idealistically, it sounds very appealing, which is obviously why net neutrality is even brought up as a thing. I mean, it sounds so perfect to give the little guy um, what he needs. But then, like I said, in reality, I mean, YouTube has like billions of views a day. It's not feasible. Um, I think ultimately, um, these big companies, like, the, especially the web services that we're talking about, right, they're not... When, when they do it, when they allocate like resources towards websites, it's not actually going to hurt the little guy as much as you think. Because at the end of the day, like that person can always leave and go to another web services platform. Like Amazon isn't just going to bully a company out of existence like that. They're still going to give it what it needs. Yeah, dude, this, this guy, Jit Pai, tried to repeal net neutrality. I think he did successfully. How yeah, yeah. When was that? Like that was like 20... 2017. Yeah, 2017. I was initially against it back when I was like left leaning, but uh, I I kind of I mean it has merit. I'd say the arguments for against net neutrality do have merit. Like, um, it it does to a certain degree 
stifle competition. You got to remember these are you're talking about AT and or like Comcast, AT and T. You know the whole deal. The, this is like if you were looking for a place to find a monopoly, this is it. Internet service providers providers are pretty much the place to find monopolies. Um, so yeah, I think net neutrality might have just been like a sweet deal from government to ISPs, um, and nothing more than that. Because really, what does it accomplish? I mean, was the internet really that much different before net neutrality? And was it really that much different after it got ended? Like, I really don't think so. Nah, TBA, I, I don't really know, like, what neutra- net neutrality did to uh, to us. Yeah, like, exactly, what, what right? Like, it, 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 you wouldn't notice it because Lameo, it didn't change anything. Yeah. Lameo. <laughs> uh we're gonna delete that part right so <laughs> okay well we're gonna have to now so uh i guess we all agreed that the government plays like a pretty big role in this privacy conversation so that being said let's talk about how how would government interventions make an impact if privacy violations like got out of hand and like they got too crazy what would the government do to make an impact let's just talk about surveillance itself because we can talk about mass surveillance after that Okay. Um, but I mean, sure. it's it's unethical, and it's also proven to be pretty useless. Not re- at, like zero terrorists have actually been found with that method of mass surveillance. I don't. I like. I'm pretty sure not a single one. This was done after 9/11, so I mean, we haven't had a terrorist attack since, and it's not like it's keeping us safe because, again, zero reported cases of terrorism. Yeah, I mean, like especially if if we move the conversation to what um, agencies like the NSA does. I mean, it's like horrible. <laughs> they, they literally take all of your data. They can access your webcam without the green light going on. They can do all of that stuff, right? That's kind of weird. And, yeah. Oh, they do it all the time. I mean, if, if you watch like half of, if, if you read half of what people like Snowden say, it's worse than what they say. Um, but Ayush is actually right about that. And that's it. Nothing they do actually helps the terrorism battle at all. A lot of it is just for show. And ultimately, hot take, I don't really have a problem with it. Because like private companies like Facebook, they sell our data advertiser, advertisers screw up, and then it ends up on the black market. And then like people, you know, but the NSA, the, our data is like, safe in storage and the only people who can access it have to go through like four layers of security before they can even get to like half of our data right um and that's only like 100 200 people in the entire u.s that can do that i mean but these guys are unelected like the people that see your data you didn't elect them to actually be in that position some bureaucrat yeah but see i'm not scared of them having like access i'm not scared that something's gonna happen but i am kind of bothered but you know you could be like but i mean you could be put on like a watch list. No, no, but you could be put on like a criminal watch list for that shit. Like it's, I mean, it is kind of freaky. Why though? If you're a criminal, we're not criminal. Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying like, yeah. They they don't even care if, dude, if you're a terrible person and you're posting like bad things online, that doesn't cross their radar at all. Like that's not what they're looking for. They're not looking for some petty criminal. They're looking for big time people, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah right. so like, you're right. It's well, like you yeah. need like you need something, right? Like we've seen previously on Facebook, right? How terrorists were even posting their own in, uh, their own kind of uh, their own kind of attacks on Facebook itself. Like 
sometimes it's not regulated. And then nowadays you see a lot of people, you know, um, we've seen people flash guns. We've seen people flash, you know, all, all sorts of different crimes on there. But the issue is for them, it's not as high of a, as high of an issue. So what, what exactly crosses the line? I mean, terrorism. I, I, I get Arjun's point when he says like, this is for higher misdemeanors. Um, I mean, I feel like the school shooting, like Parkland guy, he would have gotten caught. Like he, he, he put out some like very horrible messages. Like he actually said he's going to shoot up stuff. And he so had wait, guns and stuff. If the that, NSA is so how do you not catch that? Like, wait, what's, are you being a job wrong or what's the deal? Also, if the NSA is so God mode, how did they catch, how did they not catch January 6th, the riot? Like that, I feel like that was pretty out there. I did not catch what? No, because that's, that's the thing. I did see on, Aditya, you mentioned Parkland and then I you mentioned the riot, right? The NSA doesn't focus on domestic stuff. They literally, yeah, they, they exclusively focus on terrorism. That's yeah. it. They, dude, they, they could actually care less if there were like riots happening but, every day in the U.S. That literally doesn't affect them in any way, which is why I don't have a problem with what they do as much because they're, they're only, most of the data they use, like she said they don't catch terrorists with it and you're right, but most of the data they use is to blackmail people into helping them catch terrorists. That's Wait, it. Also, yeah, I mean, yeah. To that that too but i also think that they use this for um like halting like you know human trafficking abroad and yes. domestically i think that's like Wait. one of the main uses for this that, that, those are different divisions and those are also I mean, consolidated yeah. in like the fbi but yeah but yeah they, they have to use the provision i think it's more of it's, it's a positive good i think in the, if you balance out like the gains and like the benefits and the cons of it it's overall a net good net positive but isn't this like so the thing is it only it's we're only okay with it because we know and again this is like where you can easily fall into like conspiracy theory so i don't want to really do that but we're only comfortable with this because we live in somewhat of a you know democratic republic right i mean somewhat but most for the most part we're a democratic republic and we're we elect the people that serve in office someday if it's not that Right. And again, I, you know, conservatives have this like weird fear about that. I, I tend to have the weird fear about like that, you know, we're safe now. A hundred years from now, are we going to be safe? Right. Um, and if we're not safe a hundred years from now, do these provisions in the Patriot Act remain? And if they remain, do we become a police state? If, if you're actually talking about a like scenario where the a dystopian future where the U.S. is not like, a democracy anymore, the Constitution doesn't matter at that point. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? It can be, uh, basically, the Constitution can be amended out of existence, right? And I mean, I don't want to, like, that's not gonna happen. call every, like, left-leaning agenda to be, like, you know, diminishing and all that, because obviously not all of them are. Um, but if you slowly start to get rid of things that were in the Constitution, eventually you're left with nothing, right? Wait, if you wait, get rid of the electoral what college, that do with, like, surveillance? I mean... No, so that's a... We're, we're, I'm saying that we're only comfortable with the government knowing what we're doing because we're comfortable with the government itself right well, yeah like as of right now if that's no longer the case then what then are, are we are, gonna are, be are okay you arguing, with... wait so are you arguing that like because in 200 years the u.s might not be a like republic anymore that everything we do now should like stop in case of that because well like i don't see where no, you're no, going no. with that i'm just saying like in our lifetime if this ever you know, if the if the republic comes to an end, uh, the government has all of our data. They can arrest us for crimes that, 
you know, they can basically make up and say, yeah, you did this when you were thing, go to you jail. You to realize that if they were, even if they weren't doing this right now, and we ended up in that future, they would be able to access all the data anyway. Like, it literally makes no difference. Well, And also, like, a big part is, right, you said it yourself. At the moment, we're comfortable with the government. So we should trust that our system that has been functioning for a while, right, to continue to function in that way. There's no evidence to show, like, how that uh, we're going to have any sort of government change in terms of system. So I don't know if we can ever get to that spot unless something drastic happens, which is a huge what if, right? Well, again, no revolution had any trail of its existence 30 years before it you know, it happening. You didn't, no one knew the Soviet Union was going to happen 50 years before it happened. No one knew. Uh, I also disagree, like with dealing with such big hypotheticals, because if you're at that point, you have bigger concerns to worry about than like, if they're <laughs> true. doing wait, 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 true. I'm just, no, 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 hold on. I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying the United States has a very slow change or slow process for change. That's not the case in a lot of other countries. Like you but can, the U.S. You was designed France. that way for that reason. Exactly. No, no, it was designed for it. slow change. It wasn't yeah. designed for correct change, right? They assumed that by having change be coming come slow, right, through having it go through various levels of government uh, by elected officials, that the change would come out to be right. But again, we don't – that's only so long as the populace is correct. If everyone is wrong and is working self-destructively, right, then – you know, it's going to be a slow process to an eventual dystopia or an inevitable dystopia, right? And at that point, like when you're in like the passage between republic and totalitarianism, that, you know, that gray area is where they can really like start to abuse the data that they already have. If we stop it now, you know, the chances that people can be arrested for crimes, crimes that they committed when they were, you know, like 12 years old, right, is much lower. I think there, there is a lot of what ifs there. I mean, at the end of the day, the U.S. is functioning like rice water. I mean, it, it's the U.S. is the strongest Wait, nation in Arjun, the world. I would order. ask you one question though: Are you comfortable with the generation that, like our generation, being the future politicians? How comfortable are you with that? Well, you have to realize that when you talk about our generation, I, I know what you're implying. You're talking about the idiots on TikTok. Those people don't enter politics. Dude, half of them can't even like spell <laughs> the word like woodchuck. I'm I'm dead serious, okay? Um, the only, I mean, if you if you if you want to point to that in Congress right now, the only people that I can even remotely resemble like these idiots and Gen Z are people like Marjorie Green and like Lauren Baber, you know? But they're old. I mean, they're all like boomers. But that's what I mean. That's not, I mean, the point, Gen my Z, point though. is that my point is that very few stupid people actually like get there. No, I, I don't mean stupid, I mean self destructive. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, if you're talking about all these like dude crazy teens on TikTok, that's why I quit the app. They're all no, crazy. I'm, I'm talking these like people are not entering politics, radical either way. The youngest people to enter Congress right now are radical on both sides. You have Republicans, the young Republicans that are entering Congress are all radicals the young Wait. democrats that are entering congress are all radicals how old are the people who um remember the anti-war activists in the vietnam war yeah that was in the late 1960s early 1970s right at the end of johnson's yeah. term and the beginning of nixon yeah. right those people are now john Kerry's age 
they're not as radical as they were when they were young. People unradical, like to people people back at those ages, the hippies, they essentially ended the war, right? You remember that. They were all like crazy leftists. You ask, like, you ask them their political ideology today, they've gradually moderated. Like that that's how society works. The older you are, your views become less extreme than when you're young. Because when you're young, you're very idealistic. So I get your concern because we have technology nowadays and you can actually like see people, but I mean, if you look at the history from like the Vietnam War, people's views do just get moderated. If we're not I mean, entering like a yeah, we'll, see, we'll see how it pans out. We'll see how it pans out. I'm, I mean, you know, yeah, keep an eye on you know Ilan Omar, AOC, Madison Crawthorn, Republican. Madison guy. is actually he's actually a Nazi. Yeah, like he keep, keep your eye on Hitler's them. house. We'll see. We'll see how they go. I mean, again, I my personal belief that these guys are going to moderate anytime soon is pretty low. Um, and you also got to remember that in the Vietnam, Vietnam War, the country, I mean, I may be wrong, but I don't think we were as polarized, at least at the levels of government, right? People obviously are going to be polarized, but the government being polarized within is kind of, you know, a concept that pays homage to a time that we really shouldn't be paying homage to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see your point that, yeah. People like AOC are not going to moderate. But then, I mean, that's like Bernie. And and even Bernie moderated as he got older. I mean, he's still like a, he's still a social, like, you know, he's still a socialist in some sense. But even his views have moderated as he got older. Like, he actually votes for some of, like, moderate to conservative-leaning policies in Congress. He's not the most liberal member in the Senate anymore. So... Yeah. Even people like him, as like extreme as you may call him, his views moderated from when he was like mayor in Vermont till like now. Yeah, so we we were just talking about like Gen Z and stuff, and uh, how people are. You guys are talking about these moderates, but we know a lot of people are very liberal on TikTok, at least. So that, um, and we also know how they're like canceling people censoring people on social media so do we do you guys want to talk about that like what do you guys think about social media banning and censoring people on the news and stuff like that like trump iron hawk <laughs> <laughs> i am okay, getting okay. booted okay. so uh should I, should that, I, that, I, wait that was beautiful ray thank you dude thank okay. you okay, let, me, let, me, let me hop back in and i'll basically explain um in in uh an overview basically i was um so are we like uh, pausing the um no no no, no, no. this is this is part of no it's fine I'll, I'll it's very, public people people be knowing about this shit i'll i'll do it very like uh like non-detailed like anonymously basically, yeah very very yeah. non-detailed basically i was um my instagram and facebook was disabled for i think 30 days because of uh you said the word okay, so basically i was banned or disabled on instagram and that also disable my Facebook since they're connected. Um, mostly because, uh, well, well, I was like falsely accused of uh, using an alt account to um, harass someone, an individual, but uh, I, I didn't even have access to the alt account, which is kind of interesting. So for some reason I was able to be banned on my main account, which had no relation to anything off, off something, some alt account that isn't associated with me, which doesn't make any sense. Or, and I also don't understand how I was banned so fast because this entire process occurred within like four hours. And my appeal also didn't go through. 
which is also very interesting. And it didn't tell me why I got to say I believe it. But, uh, but I do know that I was, you know, reported for uh, harassment on an account that wasn't my main, which doesn't make sense. If, if, if you, like, if you're going to get, like, disabled for harassment, shouldn't it be the account that did the harassing? Like, I don't know how you can... And they don't ask for, like, screenshots or anything, right? Yeah, and it wasn't you. It actually wasn't you. It literally wasn't <laughs> It had no ties to you. Right. And they, and they also don't, like, I, I, I tested myself, right? Like, I went in and tried to report some random person, right? And they don't ask for screenshots. They don't ask for, like, names, nothing, right? So I don't know how they were able to link that to and just get me disabled, right? Yeah, they didn't look into your case. They just disabled you on the yeah, spot. Yeah, that's just... crazy. Like, the, the Instagram process, because I don't know if these are automated processes or what, but, like, I remember, like, uh, like Yusuf was saying that like people, there's people all over like Instagram that have crazy things that just like they like spam all kinds of vulgar. Uh, wait, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've reported like my friends, right? Like I've reported all of you guys, but nothing oh, has whoa, ever whoa, gotten whoa, like. No, 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 no. That's a joke, right? Me? No, no. I'm like not you, but I've reported all of like these guys, right? It's a joke, but never nothing's ever gone through. But I think the fact that it was two people, yeah, like some people. some some amount of some amount of people of like. Definitely from the opposite too. gender, right? And it was against him. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> one thing, one thing. I, like, who are they going to believe? Gender. They're going to believe it's gender. I think it's just multiple people. That yeah, yeah. I, I, I also, They'll I also, never ban you if it's just one okay. person reporting that. Literally so we're going to try this on Arjun. Should we yeah, try banning? Yeah, let's try. Let's try. Let's try. Wait, but I also think I also think they can't. I think the fact that it was for like harassment and bullying, right? I think if you report for spam or you report for some other random stuff, they don't take it as seriously. Like they, I feel like they take this stuff kind of seriously. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, yeah, I also don't, I just don't get how that works. And I think that the, like, these automated systems aren't very good, right? And I think the appeals are also automated, which is not good, right? Which doesn't make any sense because you get people like me getting falsely banned and you see people who need to be censored or banned just spilling vulgarities all over comment sections everywhere and anywhere. It's just li- like being chill, right? And they can make a new account. Dude, I tried to make a new Facebook with some alt account that knew it was me. You just said your other account has been disabled. Why are you trying to make a new account? It's Bro, like, <laughs> IP address. It's, it's IP address, dude. Dude, Bro. dude I don't know Bro. if it's IP or what. But like, they just knew, dude. It was crazy. Wait, IP Bro. banning? That's, that's insane. Literally, Facebook, can't do Facebook just looks no, at I and is just like, yeah. Bro, that, that's what Discord does. Trip. Discord also does IP ban. No, I don't know if it's dude. IP ban, but I think, I think what happened is that I was putting the same name. I was putting I in the first name, Hawk, as last name. So maybe that's why. But uh, maybe. Here's I, the I, weird I, thing about Facebook. I changed the password on uh, my account. Um, it didn't change it for mine, and it changed it for my brother's. So I was logging into Facebook, and I was using my username as my phone number, my phone number as my username for Messenger. And I typed in the password. I typed in my brother's password, right, which was which was originally the password that I was using. Bro, why do you know your brother's password? No, it, it was a password that I was using and now he was using too. Right, right, every time it. I typed in my phone number as the username and his password, it would log into his account. But if I kept the same phone number as the username and I used a different password, it would log into my account. Weird, weird. But okay, yeah, weird. I, I, I just think that this, uh, this, this uh, the way that they kind of censor um, not this banning process, this, uh, this stuff is just kind of scuffed in the sense that it's all automated. So like we all know algorithms aren't gonna work hundred percent of the time. And like I don't I don't know, dude. It's just it's just doesn't it just doesn't make sense to be honest. But yeah, that's just my take on it. I also think that the two cases that Sahil brought up, right? Trump and Mr. Einhawk are completely irre- uh, like unrelated. Like right. 
Trump himself, right? He's no, one is definitely more extreme, for sure. <laughs> but, like, Mr. Ironhawk, Iron. as he continuously said, yes, that's he's what been falsely about. accused. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's false, right? So they've got to find a way to make sure that, like, what people are saying is true, of course, because mm-hmm. Trump, being himself, is going to tweet everything out. So, of course, that was okay, um, in a way, because of code of conduct. But Mr. Hawk here, he's a very... <laughs> Innocent civilian. He, he he shouldn't have been banned for. I committed no hate crimes. I committed no hate crimes. No. Yeah, well, he, well, you did. You, did, you no didn't make one man. comment. I feel like you could have gotten reported for a oh, comment you no, made earlier in the day. What we heard is that the comment was okay. First off. The comment wasn't. The comment bad. wasn't bad, dude. The, the comment, comment it could it could it just said vote vote for Mr. Agarwal. Yeah, like that doesn't that doesn't do anything, right? Like, like that. There's the negative language, is, language in it. That there's is no good. negative language dude, like, at okay. all. Just, just... All right, so finishing our conversation about uh, Iron Hawk, let's talk about someone on more extreme scale. So, what do you guys think about Trump getting banned from social media and censored by like Twitter, Instagram, stuff like that? Yeah, I, have a, I have a question on that. Was there like a did they cite something in the in the conduct that like he violated this? In the conduct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. that is cool. I mean, on it's one, totally cool. Totally cool. Yeah. No, yeah, he, he's. I mean, in his four years in office, um, he's actually violated like hundreds of <laughs> conduct. He's actually had like literally hundreds, if not like two hundred or more, of conduct violations. Um, so I think they just finally decided that like enough was enough because actual like violence fall from a direct result of what he said on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people when, when, people, when people but... talk about censorship like okay you can you can argue censorship for um you, you can actually argue censorship for like other things that twitter does but the trump one they like their code of conduct is not um it's not designed to censor you like in any way shape or form it's literally just a uniform code of conduct and he broke it like hundreds of times. So there's there's really no argument to be made that like conservative voices are being censored. If conservative voice is like a voice that incites violence, I mean, that's a very bad uh, assumption to make, but it was like completely justified. Yeah, also people have definitely said worse things, but that's not the point at all. Uh, like the yeah, point people is- People say that if you do this, you have to ban this person and that person. Like, yeah, there's yeah, literally yeah. millions of people that they have to ban. They can't get to all of it. Trump is just very yeah, high profile. For, and if you do a quote of- conduct violation they can do whatever they want dude like it's not it's not up for debate there's also an argument that lindsey graham made that um how come trump is being banned by uh, iran's supreme leader um the ayatollah is still on twitter which is also like complete uh, it's a terrible argument because um they missed the fact that the ayatollah as evil a man as he may be is actually a pretty peaceful guy on twitter <laughs> and he just posts like sunny pictures of like northern iran <laughs> he doesn't like he doesn't incite violence so the argument to be made that like this person or that person or this like it, it doesn't hold. I mean, so Twitter can police you for the speech that you do on its platform, right? So Ayatollah, yeah, he's not really um, doing anything on Twitter per se. But uh, I think China did do a cover up, or like the CCP did a cover up for the act of genocide in their country, and that didn't get censored. Right. So I don't think, and I think it got censored late actually. Maybe it's censored now. Um, that was because um, Twitter doesn't get involved in international disputes because it undermines um, foreign policy. Like, well, I mean, if they don't get know, involved in international disputes and they have no right to get involved in the United what, States what disputes. I, what I mean is that um, 
like Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, right? Like he's constantly working with um, or against people like China's leader, right? Um, and they they tend, especially private companies, they tend not to do anything to like foreign um, officials because Twitter has no idea if China is like one aggression away from launching a nuclear missile, right? They they generally um, private companies tend to like stray away from. Uh, censoring or doing anything to these people because it's just they have no idea what's going on but do you think that trump is different because they know that like they know that trump is a u.s problem only like there's not a single foreign country that's going to do like anything about them banning trump because twitter is a u.s company right and trump is a u.s president and twitter knows that u.s is a very strong country compared to like a very free country as well compared to china which can do whatever it wants at like their president's will so they have to play it safe with foreign countries, but they can actually follow the rules when it comes to the U.S. Do you guys think, though, that it's okay to permanently ban someone on their on their platform? Like, because permanent ban, right? That like, uh, shouldn't it just be like some sort of uh, like a year long ban or some sort of kind mm-hmm. of time, like a specified time, rather than a permanent ban? That's where Jack Dorsey's emotions got the better of him. Because technically, yeah, it should just be like a 30-day ban. But I think he, he got mad at the fact that Twitter was forced to um, not do anything about the other like 100, 150 bans. Like they actually like, you could read up about it that he kind of just made an emotional decision and he was like, screw it. But yes, about this violation on its own, it shouldn't have been permanent. Yeah, so it's it's the fact that Trump has all of this like response. He kind of he's not technically responsible for like all these people, but all these people kind of fall under him and follow him and basically do what he wants. So moving on from this entire talk about privacy and censorship, on a more like recent note, uh, what implications? Let's just talk about the GameStop situation. So, what implications does the current GameStop situation have on the financial world? Um, it just shows that, like, it just shows that everyone's known already, and it's just hypocrisy in the financial world because, like, a lot of um big time establishment people, and this is where like both surprisingly Ted Cruz and AOC actually agree on something, which is a first. Um, But it's the whole idea that like the system is rigged against you. And I mean, that's why um, the Reddit like forum did it because they're all just like college kids and high school kids like Adam and all that. Um, And people like Drew, right? It's just, it's people like that who are in it. Um, And I think that the problem was that obviously um, like Wall Street especially comp- like conspired to save the hedge funds. Robinhood literally shut down its entire like GME and AMC and all these, um, I-, I forgot the other stocks that people are holding. Um, AMC. Yeah, it was AMC. Nokia starting up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, other like um, companies. I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think Robinhood was just a straight fraud thing, right? Cause, cause yeah. Because of the functioning of the brokerage as well. They had it's- to. To stay in business. They didn't have the shares, right? They didn't have the shares yeah, that people they didn't could have buy. Those. That's the issue. They, they, you can't trade shares that don't exist. Exactly. Like, and so I don't think Robinhood banning trading of that was... 
but I did see some fraudulent things like they were they were selling people's options without people mm-hmm. wanting to sell them, right? Yeah. And so that sort of thing should not be happening. Uh, yeah. It was essentially um everyone in the financial world teamed up to make sure that like to stop it, which really like pissed people off. I think it's really inspiring, honestly. Like it, it's it's something great, but I think like yeah, I hope it happens more, honestly. I mean, it, it's kind of destroyed the entire part of the market, like. That's the yeah. funny thing, though, because people are because all these uh, like, like the market's uh, always been this way. It's always just been speculation. Yeah, no, not not speculation, but um, a lot of these Wall Street people are mad. They're saying that look, all these like little kids are treating it like a casino, but you mm. guys treat Wall Street like a casino. That's how all they the do time. it. Yeah, two thousand eight recession was literally called by like caused by Wall Street people just treating it like a casino and gambling away. Well, this is what like, these hedge funds have been doing for years. They'll give some yeah, bullshit and they get away with why it. they're shorting a giant stock. And they're, in two thousand eight, no one went to prison for like literally causing millions of people's money to go away. And then they're yeah, mad nobody. that like these kids actually do something for once. I yeah. hope it happens a lot more. They've just been leveraging a broken system, and they, because they've been able to, now they're mad that other people are doing it. Um, yeah getting another game you know but i i like there was no good reason for they, they've done this countless times they bullshit reasons for shorting these big stocks and they'll put billions into it and it just doesn't this time it didn't work out for them but like the amount of people trading this like i can go i can go outside and pick a street and i'm sure at least like 20% of the people on that street have, have had something to do with it right like everyone is in this game like mentors from robotics are in it, right? Like it's crazy. Everyone is in this. Everyone. It's, I mean, this, this. Um, I read a New York Times article that this itself had more impact than like protests and you know things like Occupy Wall Street back in like 2011. This has had mm-hmm. more impact than like the last two decades of protests against Wall Street combined. So I think it's gotten a lot of people like really excited that like maybe we can finally like start to tackle these. Um, it's insane these people have insane resilience you would not expect poor people to have this much resilience with their money right they're holding out nobody's cashing out like a a ton of people are not cashing out we did see a little dip overall but like that was yesterday when like trading was closed yes it went down but it came back up right like people are even people that wrote it all the way up made millions and millions and millions are not cashing out they're yeah. holding because for them they don't care like they don't care that they put a hundred dollars that's what i found interesting i would have cashed they out don't yesterday. care about the money at all right there's people that yeah. made like millions of dollars they don't care it's not i guess it's literally bigger than that for them which is surprising for for poor people you or for not that rich people you would expect them that they're doing this for money it's not just to say you know not just to waggle middle finger at, at the hedge funds yeah. so how how long do they need to hold until that's not a i don't know well it is going to burst right eventually there's no reason people are going to hold it for that long that's not a long-term investment right gamestop as a company won't grow people won't be investing in gamestop um I mean, gamestop's going to go bankrupt eventually this just like held it this stock is going to come down to like 10 right it's going to come down yeah. eventually it was 27 like before all of this it was really low and if the hedge funds I could think that they would have just held their shorts. They would have never sold out. They can't, right? Because they're lever- they'd be levered so hard. What if this thing goes to 1,000 tomorrow? And that's the bad thing about a short sell. You never know how bad it can go. Um, there's no limit to how much money you can lose. So you can't do that. But, like, it's definitely going to come back down. It's going to crash to $10, maybe even less. Uh, there's, it, it won't sustain this at all. Do you think, though, that uh... – 
like GameStop's going to get inspired by this, right? Because for the last couple of years, GameStop's been completely behind, right? Since they, they've been doing, like nobody buys discs for games anymore, right? It's so much more advanced now. People can buy them straight from the console online. So do you think that GameStop's going to do anything now that they have this uh, no. like kind of inspiration? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because they know it's coming back down, right? Like anyone yeah. in, a, in anyone in the financial game knows it's coming back down. Not only that, but the, the people didn't do it because GameStop. Like, they, well, actually, kind of. They kind of did actually. They because they were like, dude, they can't. There were some people when it initially started that were like, they, of course, it was mainly about the headphones, right? But it was also yeah. because it was something that they were connected to. Like GameStop was something because games like, and all these are like, games. yeah, like yeah. They, nobody thought it's going to. But this is what happens when you create artificial value. It, it gets destroyed and it's always worse when it gets destroyed it's always worse so creating random value to gamestop is not going to do anything and, and gamestop's not going to try and match they're what, still going to go bankrupt the next five years yeah they're definitely going to be gone and what do you guys think is the next stock that could have something like this where people are going to go against yeah. you you that pick some i mean want. if you just do it, it yeah it's up to dave portnoy to pick some scrabble letters and say all right this is what we're doing you know, and then that's what's going to happen. I mean, that's what they were doing, right? That's what he's doing on his live stream. He's picking Scrabble letters, and they pumped, and they pumped Wait, up the prices. No, they, they literally, literally on a Scrabble? live stream, Dave Portnoy took a bag of Scrabble letters, he picked some stocks, put them down, and he said, all right, everyone, we're going to buy this. And all of them bought it, and they got up the price like $10, $15, dollars $10, $15 on, a, on a very low-value stock, right? They bumped it up 20 30%. And... Yeah, I mean, overall, I think Portnoy lost a lot of money, but that was during the time when he was like, I can't lose. Like, somebody tell Warren Buffett, like, I, I don't know how to lose money in the stock market. And he was getting very cocky, but that's what he, that's what he was doing. Yeah, wait, can someone explain this, like, entire shorting thing? Like, what exactly is shorting, and, like, how does that work in this thing, in this GME situation? Doesn't it, doesn't it mean that you think a stock is going to, like, crash? I think that's like broadly what it's like. You basically bet against it. Yeah, you're betting against something. Whereas when you invest, you're betting for it. That's what the hedge funds are doing. They they were they were shorting on GME, like essentially just betting that it would go bankrupt. Wait, but how do you get money off of? Because who pays? So the so the banks will buy the stock, and you will take it as a loan, basically. So you're basically fucking over the bank. No, not 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 actually because. What happens is, uh, I forget the exact, exact logistical method, but, but basically what things is happening is you, you borrow money from the bank to buy the stock. Then you, you uh, sell it uh, at a lower price, right? Yeah. So what, what happened? I'm sorry, sorry. Wait, wait, wait. wait but then why would, like, the, why would right the bank now? lend you money? Right it's like yeah. you know, that's borrow, not how it works. Sorry. You borrow, borrow, you're basically sell. borrowing the shares and then yeah. cashing them in. Uh, but the to who no you borrow sell at a high price buy back at a low price and then cash it in that's how it is and you make money off of that you're basically buying shares that you don't have and then you're selling them and then cashing in like it's wait but that's how regular no, i mean no, i feel it's... like that's how regular investing works i don't know it's i mean like there the has to be a way opposite. But... it's like the exact opposite of regular investing though so okay because this yeah. stock is going down but yeah, basically an investor would borrow a stock, say say like you borrow a stock at $10, right? And then you sell it. So now you have $10. And then when the stock goes down, you buy it at five, right? 
and then you give back five to the person um, for profit, and you can take five for yourself. That's how basically it works. So to borrow it, I guess you have to take from people that are holding the shares or like your brokers or something like that. So, but, but yeah, what you're doing is you're borrowing the stock at a high price. You're selling it immediately. So you're cashing in $10 immediately and then you're buying it back at a lower price. And then you're, you're cashing some profit there. So, so if you buy it, so if somebody lends you a share and they say in the future, you have to give me the share back. So you sell it today for $10, but then you buy it later for five and you give the share back. You're basically giving back $5 and you keep the $5 from the stock, right? That's how it's kind of works. Cool. Wait, so what do you guys think about like this entire Robin Hood situation? Uh, like his financial misleading of customers and how he made trades, uh, like he allowed trades to be executed very poorly and stuff like that. Like it's obviously a very bad situation, but what what are your thoughts on it? Uh, at first, I think that I don't know if we can put too much blame on him. While you know, while Robinhood hasn't done it all, you know, very very well, it's the problem of them not having enough uh, shares to sell, as we've said before. So when that happens, you know, they they panic. They try and uh, they try and recumulate those kind of uh, those shares, and that's where uh, problems started to arise. I see. What do you, do you guys have anything to say about anything else about Robinhood or? Okay, so uh, do you guys, okay, with all the backlash that he's gotten, do you guys think this event has been like an indication of people finally getting up with billionaires being greedy for money and stuff? Honestly, I feel like this is kind of more overhyped than like, like people are, people are talking about this like it's going to be the next revolution and they're going to do this with the next stock and the next stock. But I mean, you look at how poorly this went, that the, the, the point was to like, um, I mean, kind of like bully the hedge fund out of existence. The hedge fund got bailed out by like 10 other hedge funds. What's the point? I, I feel like at the end of the day, um, it's not sustainable at all. Okay. It's, it's kind of like yeah, it's just one off. I think as everyone starts selling it off, like it'll crash, right? People will not make that much profit. Um, so like whatever money is in people's accounts, the numbers right now, the money they've taken from hedge funds, like, It'll come back. A lot of hedge funds will, will keep up, like will we'll stay rich. I don't think a lot will lose that much money. I mean, I, I don't think in the in the long run a lot will like start closing down because of the continuous like uh, Wall Street bets continuing to do this again and again and again. Because I don't I don't think that they'll be able to keep it up. Right over time, people will be like, yeah, this is just like this is not this is not right. Like when this is not what we need to continue to do right to, to like stop wealth distributions to like make a better wealth distribution because that's not going to work yeah i agree i think that at the moment like really people are way more excited than what will happen in the future because at the moment this is the first time right we've seen something like this happen normally the trend is that the hedge hedge funds are more of the kingpin so when we get like that the people are finally starting to do something about it for the first time even if it's like not gonna amount to much it is a little thrilling 
for everyone to see. So I think as, uh, of course, as people want to cash in their money in the next couple of days or weeks, um, of course, the stock's going to go down uh, to where it was before. And I don't know how many people are going to start like doing this because really, I don't know uh, exactly how many times it's going to actually work or not. So I think that this idea kind of is going to die out as time passes. Okay, so I'm just gonna ask one more question and then we can uh, call it a night. So how do you guys think the situation has shifted the dynamic between the hedge, hedge funds and social media when it comes to trading? I mean, like we all said, um, the, the enthusiasm will ride on for a couple months maybe, but I mean, if you think that like Congress is hard to work with, and like it's really hard to get bills passed through congress and like the, the government is basically just a stonewall then you haven't seen wall street because it's like 10 times worse and it's 10 times harder to get through there um because they're not even subject to like public backlash or anything they they kind of exist in a world of their own so i mean these are even if you like Sajid said a lot of people participated in this but even that like wasn't enough to like bring down one hedge fund and I mean, as you see naturally in a movement, um, the number of people involved decreases as time goes on. The number of people that have participated in this is like a lot more than the number of people the next time and the time after that. So it's, if this wasn't enough for just one hedge like fund out of the hundreds of thousands, I mean, it's not gonna do anything. Hell, I mean, like the hedge funds probably won't even bother checking like Wall Street bets because it's not even worth it. Like this, this, this did so little harm to them. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I think this is a good place to end it off. We talked about the GME stocks, the most like trending topic, as well as privacy and censorship. So uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, peace out. Bye. Bye. <laughs>